Uh, good to see you today. Welcome to FBC. So excited to have you guys uh, here today. My name is Joe Andrews. I'm the campus pastor here. I'm not the senior pastor, so if you're a guest, uh, just don't think I'm the senior pastor. He's this guy off to my right over here, uh, and I'm filling in for him uh, today. Happy to do it. Uh, man, if you could just think about how lucky he is today. He gets to hear my message four times instead of just one, like you guys do. Uh, really hope that it blesses you. I know that it won't. Uh, <laughs> always excited to be here to, uh, to, to preach, uh, to share the word with you. I hope that God does speak to you uh, through me today. Uh, that's always what we hope. Uh, the pastor has, has been off for a few weeks. I know that he's chomping at the bit uh, to preach again. He has one more week after this week uh, to wait, and then he's starting a Christmas series called The Day That Everything Changed, uh, Day That the World Changed, uh, The Day That the World Changed Forever. Uh, it's going to be a great series. We want to make sure that you are here um, for that entire sermon series. We're not in a sermon series today. We just kind of have a standalone message, something that's maybe kind of been on my heart for a while. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. The title of my message today is called Context is Everything. Context is everything. We're going to be in John, the Gospel of John, very first chapter, very first three verses, and we're also going to be in verse 14 as well. Um, and what I really want you to see today through this whole message, if you can just kind of codify everything, if you can kind of encapsulate everything that I want to say today, uh, it's this. God went to extraordinary measures to reach you and me. God did some big things to reach you and to reach me, things that you may not have thought about, things that are probably far too complex for even us to understand, but I think as we get into the message today, uh, into John, you're going to see some of the things that God has done for us so that he could reach us, so that, he could, uh, so that we could really be where he is. Now, I... Uh, uh, I, I don't know, this might surprise some of you. I made it past fifth grade. Uh, it, it, it took me a while, but I, I did it. I actually made it through all of middle school. I made it through all of high school. I know it sounds like I'm making this up, if you know me at all. Uh, I went to college, and then I actually went to seminary. I went to seminary at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. It sounds super fancy, but just remember, I was there, so it couldn't have been too fancy. Uh, and I remember studying missiology there. It was, it was, it was my passion. I could not wait to be at seminary studying missiology. Missiology is the study of missions, how to be a missionary. And I remember sitting under uh, my professor, Dr. Stan May, and he talked to us about a whole bunch of different things. But I, I remember just feeling like I was just taking information from a fire hose. I mean, it was, it was just awesome. One of the things that he drilled into us was something called contextualization, and uh, contextualization uh, is, is a huge concept in missions. It's actually a huge concept just in life, and we may not really understand all of it. What he would tell us uh, is that, that we, um, were, we saw things a certain way. All right, we grew up in our context. We grew up as, as Americans, the people in that class, and he would talk to us about the context that we grew up in, and we have a way of perceiving everything in the world. We grew up in, in America. We have freedom here in America. A lot of us grew up in church in America, and we just see things kind of like Americans see them. It's, it's like we're looking through a lens at, at every single thing 
that, that we perceive. I mean, even our language, all right? We all speak English. Some of us might speak another language, but for the most part, we speak English. And, and all of our information has been processed in English. The way that we understand everything, even God, has come through the language English. And so we see things through this lens, and we see everything through that lens. And my professor would remind us from time to time uh, that there are other people. If we're going to be missionaries, there are other people in the world that we need to go and speak with, and they don't see everything in orange. They don't see everything in orange like we do. They're not looking through this one American lens and English and everything that we see. They're not looking through it. They think a little differently. They may have a pink lens, and another culture may have a different color lens, and another culture, another different color of lens. But they see things in the context in which they were raised, with another language. And he would tell us, if you're going to take the gospel to other people, you have to understand the context from what those people are thinking, where they come from. You're going to have to take the message of the gospel and you're going to kind of have to extract it and kind of set aside your American point of view on everything and learn their point of view. How do they think? What do they think about God? What do they think about life? What do they think about death? What language do they use? You can't just go to another country and just speak English to them if they don't speak English. You're going to have to even contextualize your language. If you want them to understand Jesus and to put their faith in him, you have to contextualize the message, put away your own context, your own worldview, and pick theirs up to understand them so that you can rightly communicate the message of God. And so that is what contextualization, if you want more of a, a kind of a definition for contextualization, it's how the gospel relates to culture. And if I take my American gospel and my English and all of my preconceived ideas and I bring it to another place, they are just not going to have a connection with it. So I have to figure out how to contextualize that message to them. John, uh, and looking at his gospel, I think we're going to be able to see something that we need to see. We're going to be able to see contextualization, but we're also going to see the many things that God has done for you and for me. And John is going to help us do that. Now, John uh, wrote uh, five of our books in Scripture, all right? He wrote John. He wrote first, second, and third John. Not original titles, but that's okay. And he wrote the fifth was Revelation, all right? He is known as the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loved. He was part of the inner circle of Jesus. He got to see things like the transfiguration that a lot of the other guys didn't get to see. He was the son of James, I'm sorry, he was the son of Zebedee. He was the brother of James. James was the first martyr in the New Testament, died because of his belief in Jesus Christ. This is the John we're talking about. He was called by Jesus to follow Jesus when he was mending his nets on the beach. And John is going to show us some beautiful things about what God did, the extraordinary measures that he took to reach you and me. And before we get to what John said, we really need to get a few things straight about God himself. The very first thing that I want you to see is that God is from an entirely different context than you and I. If we can use a couple different colors, you and I are human. God is not human. He is from an entirely different context 
than you and me. We see everything with this yellow. He sees everything as God. We see everything as humans. We interpret things as humans. He sees things correctly as God. He is in, from an entirely different context than you and I. God is transcendent. He transcends you and me. He is over and beyond you and I. He is eternal. God is spirit. That means that's actually a lot different than you and me. It means he doesn't have a body. God is spirit. He isn't just in one location. He is present everywhere. That is who our God is. God is holy. That word holy means set apart, different than us. He's different than us in his righteousness. He's different because he is God and we are his creation. He is holy, 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 scripture says. We know that God is all-powerful. There are many scriptures that talk about God's power. All-powerful means that anything God wills to do, he can do. Because he has the power. He has the strength to do it. We know that God is all-knowing. He knows everything. Things that you and I couldn't even touch with our human intellect. He knows it all. He even knows possibilities of things that could have happened but won't. He's a big God. You can get uh, kind of an idea of how big he is when you walk out uh, these doors in just a few minutes after we're done here, and you see those Oregon Mountains, and you realize this is the God that created those mountains. Those mountains are pretty big. If, uh, I'm, I'm about six feet tall, probably with these heels on. Uh, I don't call them heels. I just call them shoes. I want to clarify that uh, for staff meeting later when you bring it up that I wear heels. I uh, just want to clarify. Just shoes. Just shoes. <laughs> if I were to stand at the base of those Oregon mountains, did you know those Oregon mountains would be 3,494 feet taller than me? That's big. God made those. He's a big God. We look up and we see the stars. We, we know that we live on the earth. We've seen pictures of the earth uh, that were taken from the moon. Incredible. God made it. He made the galaxy that you and I live in. Do you know that from one side of the galaxy to the other, all right, traveling at the speed of light, it takes 100,000 years to cross that galaxy. They say that our galaxy holds 200 billion stars. That doesn't even compute with our puny little minds. We're just like, well, it seems like a lot. It is a lot. It's so much. Did you know that as far as galaxies go, we're not the only one? They say there's 100 to 200 billion galaxies in the universe. When we talk about God, we are talking about a big God. He's also eternal. He has no beginning. That's huge. That's a different context than you and me. We can point to our beginning. We don't like to think about it, but we can point to it. I began at one point. God didn't have a beginning. In fact, that's what Genesis 1-1 teaches us, that God didn't have a beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, any Jew who would read that, uh, they, they knew that verse by heart. They knew in the beginning. That's bereshit in Hebrew. In the beginning, God. That means 
God started creating and making in the beginning, but he was there before the beginning because he was doing the creating. He is an eternal God. No beginning, no end. He is from an entirely different context than you and I. John, with his intellect, he thinks, you know what? I'm going to write the story of Jesus, but I'm not going to start where Matthew, Mark, and Luke started. I'm going to start mine a little differently. I want people who read my gospel to know that, that Jesus' story didn't begin with the virgin birth. No, it, his, his history is a little more complicated than that. And so he borrows a few words from Moses, from the very first book of the Bible, the words that I had already said in the beginning, every Jew. Now, when they would pick up John's gospel and they would read that, they would just, it would transport them right back to what Moses said. As they read, in the beginning, they, would, they could just finish it off. God created the heavens and the earth, probably just like you can. And they would have, except John changes it. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he drops a bomb on everything. And he doesn't say, in the beginning, God. He says, in the beginning was Jesus. Oh, this is good. In the beginning was Jesus, and everybody is like, whoa, hold the phone. What you just said is absolutely insane to my mind right now. Let's go to John 1.1 and let's see what John says about this. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now that word, word, is the word logos in Greek. That word logos carries a lot more weight with it with the people of that day than the people of our day. We just hear the word word and we just think, that means word. It carried, it was a lot more weighty. To a Jew, they would have, it would have transported them back to the very thing that God did when he spoke words and things came into existence. They would think of his action of creation, all right? They would think of, of him in a way. Uh, for, for a Gentile living back then, they would have understood the word logos to mean kind of the overarching principle that guides the universe, not God, but some kind of fuzzy idea like that. When John uses it, he is only talking about Jesus Christ. And just like your words reveal your heart and your mind, so Jesus Christ, the word, reveals the heart and the mind of the Father to his creation. He is the word. So we could read this, in the beginning was Jesus, because that is who the word is pointing to. And so if someone was reading this, they were thinking, okay, in the beginning, well, we are, already know that God is in the beginning, because that's, that's what we know. And then it says, was the word, and they're like, I guess he's just calling God the word there. And then they would have kept reading, and it would have said, and the word was God. Well, hold on. All right, I, I, guess, I guess we can do that. And the, and the word was with God. So now we have God, and now we have the word. Now you and I know that it's Jesus. They, we haven't really got to that part in the scripture. But the word was with God. And the word was God. So in the beginning, we know that there's God. And the word is with God now. And the word was God. The, the two are one. That would be a hard concept for them to understand. It's a hard concept for us to understand that in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Then he uses a pronoun. Those are kind of touchy these days. He didn't, he didn't care. He just uses the pronoun and it's a good thing that he did because if he didn't, we wouldn't know 
what the word was referring to. Maybe it's just a thing. Maybe there was some thing up there with God. No, he was in the beginning with God. Jesus, the eternal son, was in the beginning with God. What a beautiful thing. And so what John does is transport everyone back to that very first verse of Scripture. And in doing so, he's saying, listen, I know everything you know about God, but everything you know about God is also true about Jesus. Jesus is big. Jesus is holy. Jesus is transcendent. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is everywhere present. Jesus is eternal. That's a big revelation for those people to think about. Equating God with he who was with him in the beginning. Saying that they are equal, yet distinct. That is mind-blowing and John doesn't stop there. He's going to keep blowing their minds. He's going to keep blowing our minds. Here's the next thing that we learn is that God made everything through Jesus. God made every single thing through Jesus. Let's go to verse 3 and we'll look at that. This is what it says. John says, all things were made through him. Who? The word. Who? Jesus Christ. All things were made through Jesus Christ. Now you're thinking back to Genesis 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do it? Through Jesus Christ. And without Jesus Christ, without the word, was not anything made that was made. God didn't make anything. God didn't create anything that has been created that he didn't create through Jesus Christ. That is huge. I mean, we've already talked about some of God's creation. We talked about our galaxy. We talked about our earth. We talked about the universe. We talked about the Oregon Mountains. God created everything. He created the Oregon Mountains through Jesus Christ. He created the universe through Jesus Christ. He created the blobfish through Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen the blobfish? And that's real. I, that's, not, that's not like doctored or anything. This is the blobfish. It's probably the ugliest of God's creations. But he created that. He created the naked mole rat. Yeah, the naked mole rat. I was hoping to scare some of you with that one. Uh, that thing is, is hideous. Probably the scariest thing that God ever created. I, I, I don't know if I just wanted to scare you or if I just wanted to say naked mole rat from stage. I don't, maybe both, maybe both. You know, what else God created? God created us. God created mankind. He created mankind on the sixth day. And he created mankind in his likeness, in his image. Now, that doesn't mean that we're exactly like God, but that means that we do share some of those characteristics with God. Some of those things that we share with God are also some of the differences that we have with God. Let me uh, explain that to you a little bit. God gives us life, but he didn't give us eternal life. We, we, we aren't eternal like he is. We don't have, we're not people who don't have a beginning. We have a beginning, all right? Now, through salvation, he gives us eternal life, but that just means we don't have an end. We did have a beginning. We're not exactly like God in everything. He gave us knowledge, but we're not all knowing like he is. He gave us strength, but we're not all powerful 
like he is. I mean, he gave me, I mean, some of us he gave a lot, lot of extra strength to. I feel like I'm one of those person, people that, in this world that has probably more strength than most everyone else. On a good day, I can lift like 100 pounds, okay? All right? If you put all of our staff together, they can't, they can't do that. Not even together. So he made us strong, but he didn't make us all powerful. He gave us location. We have bodies, all right? But we're not present everywhere. We're present in one location. I can't be up here on stage and listening to me down there. I can be in one place at a time. I'm not like God. I'm not present everywhere at all times. One of the big differences that we have between us and God is the fact that we are sinners. We decided to rebel against God. After he created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve decided to rebel. No, we don't want to take your word for things. We're going to try things our own way. And so rebellion entered into the human race and is passed down from from them to each one of us. And we're all born in rebellion to God, saying, no, we don't want to seek you. But God did extraordinary things to reach you and to reach me. One of the things that he did is that he's communicated with us. I don't know if you've ever thought of this God who I've just spent a really long time explaining. Have you ever thought about the fact that he communicates with us? I mean, it's like me trying to communicate to an ant. Like, we're not going to get anywhere. I try every lunch break that I have to speak with ants, and it doesn't go anywhere, right? It's impossible. I can't talk to this ant. It will never understand me. Listen, I think the divide between us and God is much greater His intelligence, his greatness, his holiness is much greater than the difference between me and the ant. And God still says, I still want to communicate with them. And he does, doesn't he? He communicates with us. Beyond our wildest dreams, God communicates with us. Here's the next thing that I want you to see because this is is absolutely awesome. God contextualized his message to reach us. God contextualized his message to reach us because he is God and we are human. We only see things like humans see things. We don't see things like God. Our ways are not like his ways. He is so much greater than us. He sees things through his eyes. He sees things correctly as they should be. I see things with my puny little human mind. You know how big my mind is? Probably some of you would be like, it's a regular size mind, okay? God wanted to communicate with us humans. To do that, he couldn't speak to us from his intellect. He would have to speak to us on our terms because if he tried to speak to us, my guess is our minds would just explode. I mean, how could we finite little beings understand the infinite and how he would want to communicate with us. But the way that he wanted to communicate with us was by making his message so that we could understand. In fact, it's called heavenly condescension. God bringing his infinite and uh, will, his anything that he wants to communicate with us, He brings it to a human level so that we can understand. He didn't speak in God language. He spoke in human language. Why? Well, because we're human. We couldn't understand if he would just talk to us from who he is and his intellect and everything else. 
He is an amazing God. In fact, all of our scriptures, listen to this, is a heavenly condescension from God. He's saying, listen, I could have written in my own language, whatever that is, you couldn't understand it, so I have brought my message to you. I've put it in human words so that you could understand it because I do extraordinary things to reach you. If you think that's awesome, John doesn't even stop there. I mean, you could pretty much end the sermon there and we could all just go home and just contemplate on how wonderfully awesome God is for bringing his message down to our level so that we could understand it. But it goes like way further than that. Way further. This is, this is what God did. God contextualized himself to reach us. He contextualized him to reach us. If you just want to think about it again, well, why don't we go to the scripture first? Let's go to verse 14. And the word, Jesus, became flesh. The one who was in the beginning with God, the one who was God, the one through whom everything was created became flesh. That word flesh is the word sarx in Greek. All it means is your flesh and bones human is what it means. He, the one who was in the beginning, who was spirit, who was with God, through whom everything was made, he became human. God contextualized himself to reach you and to reach me. That is extraordinary. God says, I'm going to contextualize my message, but not only that, I'm going to send my son to them. As one of them, he will set aside the fact that he is God for a while. Now, he did not cease to become God. He just became something that he never was before, and it was human. God and man, Jesus Christ, a human who sees things like you and like me. God contextualized himself to reach you and me. What an amazing God that we have that would do that. He also dwelt among us. That word dwelt is the word tabernacled. It means that he put up his tent here with us for a while. The God who was spirit, who no one had ever seen, scripture says that various places at various times, contextualized himself so that humans could see God. Did you know Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For the first time, people saw God contextualized in human form. And we have seen his glory. Now that tabernacle and glory, that should probably take you back to the wilderness. If you remember uh, the story, the, the people made the tabernacles, a large tent, and God's glory dwelt there. This is, this is even more so. Listen, he contextualized himself. God became man. Jesus became man. And we saw his, we saw God's glory in Jesus Christ, the man, because he was God and he was man. He still is God and he still is man. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He became flesh to come and die for you and me, for our sin, for our rebellion, 
against him. He came to dwell as one of us. He did not rebel against God. He lived a sinless life, and therefore he took all of the punishment for the sin that you and I have committed, for the rebellion that you and I were a part of. John tells us why he wrote his gospel. He says, I've written all of these things so that you may believe in Jesus Christ and by believing in him that you would have life in his name. That's why John wrote what he wrote. It was a lot more than we touched today. But that's the reason. Because you and I are supposed to make a decision. You and I are supposed to turn from our rebellion and follow the Lord. So I have a couple questions. This is the first question that I have for you today. Have you responded in faith to God who has gone to extraordinary measures to reach you? Have you seen who he is and understood what he's done for you and responded in faith? That's what John wanted you to do. That's what I hope that you would do. You would see God and how wonderful he is and you would respond to him in faith. Here's the next question that I have for you. Are you going to extraordinary measures to reach people in whatever context they're in with the message of Jesus? Are you trying to take Jesus' message and the way you understand it to another someone who may not see things exactly like you see them? Are you willing to set aside some of your things so that you can understand some of their things so that you can bring the gospel into their context? Can you contextualize the gospel like that? You're called to do that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're called to follow and you're called to reach and take his message to other people. I'm not sure exactly where you are in your life or how you answered either of those questions or if the Lord maybe brought out something else through this message Maybe in response to this message, you just need to place your faith in Jesus. Maybe you haven't done that. Maybe in response to the message and hearing God's word today, you say, you know what, I need to to be a little more like God to other people because I want to go to extraordinary measures to reach them. Paul said, I have become all things to all people in order that I might reach some. What is he saying? I've... Whatever they are, I'll be so that they can know Jesus Christ. I have become all things to all men so that some might accept Christ, so that some might believe in him. Maybe you're looking for a church to join, I don't know. However you need to respond, though, the band will be up here in a second, and pastors and a few other people will also be up here. If you just need to pray with someone, you can come pray. If it's about the message or something going on in your life, No problem. We'd love to pray with you. But however you need to respond, take this time to do it. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so very much for who you are. We thank you that you are the eternal word. We thank you for Jesus Christ who has always existed and who contextualized himself to reach us and contextualized his message to reach us, lowly, sinful humans. God, would you help us continue understanding exactly what it is you need from us. Reveal to us how we should follow you. And we thank you for contextualizing yourself and your message to us. In Jesus' name.